Okay, welcome everyone to another episode of the Fierce Telecom Podcast. My name is Alejandro Pinero, your host. And as every week, we bring you yet another exclusive and uh, hopefully interesting interview. I'm sure this one will be with uh, an industry leader on different uh, subjects. And today we're going to pick up on a theme that we've been talking about quite recently on the podcast. Uh, we'll, we'll reference it, I'm sure, during our conversation, but we're going to talk about sustainability and climate action, uh, which is very exciting because I think it's uh, really a quintessential and generational challenge that we're all facing. And I love to talk to people who are dedicating their time to sort things out. So I'm joined by Stephen Moore. He's the head of climate action at the GSMA. Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks uh, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Alejandro. It's, uh, it's great to be with you. Thanks very much for, for inviting me on. No worries at all. Now, Stephen, uh, we've had the good fortune of working together. So I, I know uh, about you and, and what you did at the GSMA. But for the benefit of our listeners uh, for the podcast, uh, do you want to give us a brief introduction about yourself and, and what climate action means over there at the GSMA? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm responsible for the climate action program at the GSMA. And my background is as an environmental consultant. So I've been working in this space for about 15 years now. Um, so back uh, before, I guess, climate change was was quite the hot, hot topic that it is today, uh, in all senses of the word, unfortunately. Um, and yes, I started out, I did a master's in, in environmental technology, and then I worked for a, 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 an innovative sustainability startup um, consultancy um, called Decarbonate, with the figure eight at the end. It was a, it was a very cool time. And then I um, worked for Deloitte, actually, afterwards. We actually got bought by Deloitte. So I worked for Deloitte for a number of years, um, working with big corporates on their sustainability strategies, and then moved into a big corporate and worked at BT. Uh, at BT Group, uh, pushing forward their environmental sustainability strategy and then uh, joined the GSMA to head up the climate program. And yeah, the climate program, really the heart of it is the industry ambition to be net zero by 2050. So this is something that the board of the GSMA, which has you know the largest telcos sitting on it, 25 of the largest telcos globally, make up the board of the GSMA. And um, in 2019, the board agreed an ambition for the whole industry to be net zero by 2050. And this was actually ahead of any major world economy. Um, so it was quite trailblazing at the time. And the climate program was set up to to really help achieve that target, essentially. Brilliant. And something I, I like to ask, but I think what, when we get into the discussion, it'll probably come to light is, you know, why telecom and why it matters for us to think about net zero strategies and sustainability in telco, because the headlines aren't often related to, to telecommunications. They're, they're sometimes focused at uh, more pollutant uh, parts of the industry. So I think it'll all come together. But if not, maybe that's a question for later on in the discussion. But let's let's get um, into the the meat of the matter, really. Um, I've, I've read a little bit about you know, the science-based targets, how uh, they're measured, what they are. Can you tell us a little bit um, about them and, and how have they been implemented thus far? 
Yeah, so science-based targets is this is quite sort of technical jargon um, that we use to describe uh, climate targets that are in line with uh, in line with science uh, and a particular uh, pathway uh, of warming. So you hear about two degrees, you hear about one point five degrees. So one point five degrees is the you know it's the aim, uh, the highest aim of the Paris Climate Agreement that was agreed in twenty fifteen. What scientists have done then is since work out, okay, well, how do we keep uh, global heating within 1.5 degrees? What level of carbon emission reduction do we need to achieve across all sectors? And therefore, what do does each actor in that sector need to reduce their carbon emissions by? So... Uh, as a rule of thumb, to be honest, for 1.5 degree pathway, you need to halve your emissions by 2030. But there's slightly different trajectories if you are a fixed line operator or um, if you are a mobile operator or if you're a data center operator. But they're all around a 50% reduction by 2050. So that's what we mean by uh, a science-based target. And um, the fantastic news is that we have uh, a, a great number, uh, more than 50 uh, mobile network operators globally have committed to a science-based target. And um, what this means in practice is actually something quite transformational because they need to reduce not only their own carbon emissions, but also the emissions of their whole value chain. So it includes the emissions of their suppliers, and it includes the emissions of their of their customers. Um, so that's that's why it's so it's so interesting in a way that so many companies have actually taken on board these targets. And I think actually some of them don't fully appreciate the extent of the target they're taking on when they commit to it. Um, but it requires them to therefore not only think internally about how they can reduce their emissions, but also think about how they can influence upstream and downstream in their supply chain to help reduce emissions uh, there as well. And and so how do you keep track? So does the GSMA set up a system in which you have constant feedback from, from your members and obviously their supply chain uh, ecosystem? Have you found that to be a challenge uh, at all in terms of getting accurate uh, benchmarking? Yeah, so the, the data collection is, is, is a massive exercise, as you, as you can understand. I mean, these are big businesses. They have many, many thousands of suppliers. So um, what we have advised our members is to disclose through uh, the biggest global platform for this, which is called the CDP. So it, it, it was formerly called the Carbon Disclosure Project. Now it just goes by the, the acronym CDP. And there are thousands of, 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 of big uh, businesses, big and medium sized and some small as well, that disclose every year to the CDP and they disclose what their carbon emissions are uh, for their own operations. And they also start to make an estimate because it's much more difficult as well to measure the carbon emissions of your um, well, I'm going to get technical now, but of your, your scope three emissions, your scope three emissions are effectively your supply chain and your and your customer emissions. And that involves um, a, a really more estimation sometimes than, than actual calculation. But this is something there is a project we're working on with our members at the moment, which is a, a methodology for measuring those emissions. So agreeing a consistent methodology for measuring that for 
not only for the mobile sector, but actually we're looking to do it for the whole of the ICT sector. Um, so I think that's going to be useful uh, for that data collection part. And it will mean that when our members, when the, when the, the telcos, mobile network operators, when they disclose these emissions, when they publish them, for example, for their supply chain, you're going to be able to better compare the numbers one between another. At the moment, the numbers are not great in terms of comparison because there's quite significant differences between them. But with a standardized methodology, we think that will be that will be better. But yeah, there's a, there's a huge amount of work and data collection to, to do this. And, and usually these figures are published on an annual basis. And I assume some of those energy uh, efficiency re- or energy consumption reductions will also come from the technology itself, right? So, um, you know, we've been talking about benchmarking, but do you see a, a greater appetite from, from that ecosystem to produce technology and, and, and deploy it that addresses that from conception uh, and is that something that you you also work to to advise your your members yeah i think there's there's um two areas well there's a few different areas that we focus on with members i'd say two particularly related to energy one is energy efficiency so we do a, a benchmarking project that we did last year looking at um, how to compare network energy efficiency, which is which is actually quite difficult because um, you know the the energy consumption of a network is dependent on not just the equipment in that network, but it depends on the um, the way that equipment is laid out in that network at different levels and the size of that network and how dispersed or concentrated the network is. The number of users using that network, the density of users, whether it's urban, whether it's rural, uh, the geography of the network, um, the geography of of the landscape around it. So, uh, you know, how hot or cold that can affect energy efficiency, Um, whether there's things like mountains in the way that you need to put masks to to go around, etc. So what we did was create um, effectively a model that looked to control for some of these factors so that we were able to better compare sort of the core energy efficiency of the actual network uh, and the the equipment that's being used. And we did that project last year with eight operators and uh, we're continuing it. We've got a a new um, round this year. We've expanded it to 10 operators um, across most continents as well. So we're really excited. We're just starting the data collection for that. And we'll hold a couple of workshops as well to look to share best practice and explore some of the questions that we're being asked, which is, what is the impact of 5G on the energy efficiency of the networks and the energy use of it? And we're just starting to get some more data on that at the moment as 5G is, is being rolled out more widely. Um, we'll also start to talk about, you know, what about open RAM? Is that going to have an impact on energy efficiency in a positive way, in a negative way on the network? So that's something that we will look to discuss in one of the workshops as well. So that's sort of on the energy efficiency side. And then on the other side is uh, renewable energy so we need to we need to decarbonize energy supplies for networks and um this is easier in some places than in others um, so you you know in countries where there is a well-developed energy market so for example in the uk in europe in north america it's it's relatively easy to access 
uh, renewable energy to to buy renewable energy on the open market or to actually in, um, enter into a contract with an energy producer, so uh, say a new wind uh, wind farm developer, and say, um, look, I'll agree to buy your energy for the next 10, 15, 20 years. And they'll say, great, that gives me, uh, I can go to the uh, an investor and then get that money because I've got a guaranteed customer for that amount of time. And that means I can go and build this wind farm and then sell you the energy from it. So that's easier in, in Europe and North America, but more challenging in other countries. And we're seeing that in the levels of renewable energy in in kind of western operators and and in other parts of the world so there is a project that we've uh, working on at the moment which is around explaining that to governments in 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 other parts of the world in sub-saharan africa in latin america in asia uh, what we can what we need as an industry in order to access renewable electricity and it can be quite specific you know we need quite a well-developed energy market because Unlike a data center, which is just a single site where you can effectively just plug in, um, say, a solar farm that you could build next to it into the data center, we, we don't have that. We don't have that option because we have many, many sites spread all, all across the country, which effectively have to be fed from the from the electricity grid. So it does mean that we did need a different model to be able to access renewables to power all those sites. So yeah, there are a couple of examples on energy efficiency and renewables that that we're working on to to support operators around this. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, on, on that renewable energy piece, is there a notion of how big that opportunity is? You know, how much energy are we consuming and what's realistic uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the, the networks that are being run at a global scale? Um, how much energy do they need and how much can they use uh, from a renewable source? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so, I mean, in terms of the, the overall carbon emissions of the industry that is around um well the whole ict sector is just over two percent of global carbon emissions um depends exactly how you cut it that's excluding kind of mining of cryptocurrency which we kind of lead to one side and excluding like uh, tv and gaming um the mobile part of it the sort of telco mobile part of it is about one percent of, of global carbon emissions so it's it's kind of comparable to the uk actually it's not that different from the uk's emissions um and in terms of uh, you know what's the what's the possibilities in terms of renewable electricity? I mean, one hundred percent is 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 theoretically possible. It's just about deploying it in the right places and having it and having it connected. Um, and we've seen actually some operators have already uh, already buying the equivalent of one hundred percent renewable electricity, so they're covering all of their electricity requirements with renewables. Um, so it's definitely possible. What we've also seen over the last year is um, while there's been a big increase in data traffic of about 30% across networks, there's been a much smaller increase in electricity consumption. So from the data we had, um, which covers quite, I think it covers about 60 operators globally, there was a, an average of 5% increase in electricity use last year compared to a more than 30% increase mm-hmm. in data traffic and there was only a 2% increase in carbon emissions so i mean this shows us that we sort of we are we are decoupling the kind of very high increases in data traffic from electricity and carbon emissions increases in those but they're not fully decoupled and you know, electricity and carbon emissions are still heading in the wrong direction. Uh, you know, particularly we need carbon emissions to be plateauing and reducing. And we hope to start, we hope to see that within the next uh, year or two. 
Absolutely. Well, to, to shift gears a little bit, I also wanted to ask you specifically on the circular economy. Um, so we've, we've obviously talked a lot here about emissions and, and setting some, some targets and, and how those are measured. So I, I've, I've read about circular economy. I've, I've come up, uh, I've, I've come across uh, use cases and even companies that do this on the device side. But um, my understanding is this can also apply to, to network equipment, right? So what, what are you seeing there in terms of the appetite for a circular economy um, process or something at scale for, for ICT and, and telecoms in particular? Yeah, absolutely. So the circular economy, it's, it's great that it's, it's becoming more prominent and people are talking about it more because we have this huge challenge that we are um, pulling material, uh, raw materials out the ground at an unsustainable rate. So I think we're using sort of the equivalent of one point. 75 earths one and three quarter earths and we've we've obviously only got one of them so you know this means that these materials will i mean they are finite uh, some of them there's quite a lot of them so you know it's it's not like we're going to run out next year but more importantly is the environmental destruction that is caused by uh, all of this mining activity so you know you're having big effects on on the changes in land use and biodiversity impacts and other negative environmental pollution aspects pollution to water and air etc so we're keen and we started to talk about how can we shift from this kind of take make throw away economy the linear economy to one where we are using uh we see much more refurbishment reuse recycling remanufacturing all of the rewords and we did we produced a paper earlier this year looking at how to move to a more circular economy for network equipment that was particularly focused around um uh, whether there's opportunities for reusing some network equipment. So, for example, where we're perhaps moving from 4G to 5G, can we then take that 4G equipment and deploy it in markets that are moving from 3G to 4G, for example? Um, and I think that's that's throwing up some really interesting questions because um, some of the newer equipment is more energy efficient. So 5G is the most energy efficient equipment that we've built so far. But you need to, you know, it, it's not made from um, mostly recycled content. So there's a lot of, there are environmental impacts in the manufacture of that equipment. Um, but then, you know, the energy consumption over the lifetime of the equipment compared to the environmental impact of the, of the materials, you know, you have to sort of weigh them up one against the other and think about um, when you're swapping out, so... Um, 3G for 4G equipment. You know, is it is the uh, other kind of ongoing energy savings because 4G is more efficient than 3G? Does that outweigh the fact that you've, you know, effectively had to put in energy to create this new 4G equipment? So, it's we we don't have the exact answers to that at the moment. Actually, we we sort of we sort of surface these questions in the in the writing of that paper, and we've looked at the models that we need to create and how we need to improve these flows. But now we're sort of getting down into um, how do we build these kind of quantification models and comparing cost savings and carbon savings and how do we make that stack up from a business sense? Um, and that's that's uh, that's one of the big challenges. Also, we're seeing challenges around just moving secondhand equipment between countries. Um, you know, whether that, if, if it's seen as, still being a product or if it's seen as waste because there are much bigger restrictions on moving e-waste between countries um, we see some challenges around kind of recertification of equipment mm -hmm. if you're moving it from one 
market to another market, you might have to go back and get it recertified maybe from the from the OEM, from the original manufacturer, or maybe that. So I think we are... Um, you know, we're exploring what these what these barriers are to these flows, and seeing whether we can we can break them down and enable much more of the all the RE words I mentioned before, the reuse, refurbishment, recycling, etc., to improve those flows. So, um, so that yeah, we're reducing the environmental impact of this. Yeah, I I like that way of thinking about it because you know when you usually read about or you hear about uh, you know network upgrade and future proofing your network, it's often put under the lens of of uh, cost or profitability of that network or whatever it might be. But obviously there's a there's a very clear uh, environmental impact as well, right? So so I think that makes a lot of sense um, and definitely a different way to think about it as well. And, and for those of you listening that have to do with network evolution, hopefully something that goes into those uh, calculations as well. Now, um, Stephen, just a couple of questions to close out here. Um, you know, the COPs, uh, these large events seem to be a meeting point and where all the headlines come out and, and certainly a lot of activity goes on. Um, I understand there's there's COP27 later this year. Anything for our listeners to look out for that might be particularly relevant or interesting um, for for telecoms or, or the ICT industry at large, or, or anything that we we can expect? Yeah, so I think the one of the key things to look out for at this COP is. Um, increased ambition from some countries so we know that we got some increased ambition at cop 26 last year there was a big push um to try and get countries to align to the 1.5 degree um science-based targets that we spoke about at the beginning and and to see if they can commit to net zero by by 2050 um We've seen some, some fantastic news from the United States in recent weeks where they've actually managed to pass a climate bill, um, which I think many people never thought was quite going to happen. So that, that's going to send a big signal. Um, we've also seen uh, a new government in Australia um, uh, step up on climate action as well. So that's also helpful. Um, but, you know, two of the biggest emitters in the world are, are China and India. And, and at the moment, China's... Uh, net zero target is 2060 and India's is 2070. So, um, you know, we'll see whether there, I mean, it's, it's probably unlikely, but we'll see whether there's any increased ambition from them and from, from others as well. Um, what the COP presidency is also really interested in uh, understanding is, okay, there, were all, there was all these targets and ambition that were set last year. How are we actually getting on and implementing that? You know, what what stories and examples can we show where we're actually pushing forward on these targets? And this is where on the GSMA side, so we've been speaking to our members over the last couple of months uh, about renewable electricity and how that's going. And um, we've been, you know, asking them to to share with us, you know, how are you doing? What, where have you got up to? Um, where have you been successful in purchasing it? Where is it more challenging? And we're looking at how we can we can showcase that at COP27, how we can talk about how we're doing on renewables, because it's it's a really tangible example of, of the decarbonisation that we're making as an industry and uh, and how we've already come actually quite a significant way. So that's good. We'd like to we'd like to highlight that. But how also, you know, we would like to go further and we would like to go much faster, but 
but you know we, we are encountering these these challenges in certain countries and we do need some help actually from policymakers and you know you have you had heads of state come to come to cop you have ministers you know it's a good it's a good audience for us to get in front of and and to explain this to um, and then the other aspect I think will come up is is around circular economy and I think we'll that will be discussed uh, at cop as well um, and you know, we are working on a, a new strategy paper on how to move to a more circular economy for devices, for mobile devices. Um, so I think we'll want to talk about the findings of that of that paper, which we'll be publishing um, just before just before COP at the end of October. Um, and then the final thing is, I think we'll see a lot of discussion because it's an Africa COP, um, much more discussion around adaptation and resilience. Um, and there are some fantastic examples from the work that Mobile for Development um, does within the GSMA and the work that they do um, with governments, with low and middle income countries um, around supporting, uh, for example, uh, resilience in, um, in the agriculture se- sector. Um, and uh, I think we'll want to showcase those stories um, as well at COP. So there's certainly a lot that we're, we're going to be wanting to talk about. I'll be out there. Um, I'm also at, um, uh, on secondment one day a week as, as the UN climate champion for the mobile sector. So um, it's, I think it's, it's a, that's given me a really fantastic insight into kind of the COP process and how it works and, and how business and non-state actors can engage with COP. Um, which is really important because the uh, governments are not, are not really going fast enough at the moment. And uh, I think it, we're seeing companies, corporates um, kind of step up and, and, and at least partly fill the gap that is being created at the moment and, and um, sort of activate this ambition loop where if, if you know companies sort of push and encourage governments, then governments feel they, they have they're empowered to kind of set kind of stringent targets, then then corporates push again and then you have this kind of upwards uh, ambition loop, which is great. So everyone kind of speeds up and accelerates um, uh, down this journey. So that's 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 a bit of an overview. But um but yeah, we'll see. I'm sure COP will be throwing up some surprises it does every year as well. Well, it sounds like you'll be busy, that's for sure. Um, not your usual trip to to uh, Egypt, uh, but uh, but there you go. I'm sure it'll be a great uh, great time to to share some of those innovations and and big steps forward that you guys are taking over there to just move your members. Now, I'm, I want to close with this question. I actually asked the same question to uh, Matt Spellbeck, uh, the head of sustainability at Ericsson, a couple episodes ago, and we talked about their efforts uh, actually with their supply chain uh, on sustainability. But I want to ask you as well and see and see what the general feeling is. You know, you're someone who lives and breathes climate action, sustainability. How are you feeling? Are you feeling optimistic? Uh, do you think that... Uh, we are going to come together, whether it's, uh, you know, within our realm of, of our industry. Uh, are we taking the right steps forward? And, and uh, what do you see? You know, if we speak in a year's time or two years time, what would you like to uh, be some of the key takeaways? So I read a, a really, a really good uh, book recently, actually, that I quite kind of sums up I think what what I'm feeling and what what many what many people feel uh, on this topic. Uh, it was called the the best of times, the worst of times. Um, <laughs> the author is uh, is, is Paul Berens, and um, 
each each chapter he kind of breaks down so he looks at like the energy sector he looks at the agriculture sector and uh he kind of gives the case for the you know uh that it's so difficult to change and that this is the status quo and you know we, we live in kind of a in a hydrocarbon and a fossil fuel economy and um we have certain behaviors and it'd be really difficult to shift and and then the next chapter is kind of but these are the these are the the signs of hope these these are the kind of the the the, the um the kind of new shoots um, of innovation and how things are already changing and uh, and I, I that that's how I feel like it's almost like for one day uh, I, I'm kind of in the best of the world's um, head and the next day the worst of worlds um, it, it's very I kind of you, it's good to be reminded what's at stake but it is also it, it, it can you can sort of take you into sort of learned helplessness where you just feel that the the, the task is just way too di- way too difficult to tackle and it's it's, it's going to be impossible so it, it's great to then sort of and switch and, and seek out these stories of where there's you know um really innovative things happening around sort of meat alternatives and you know how much further we can take battery technology and um you know what what is the role of ai in 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 kind of supplementing human intelligence with artificial intelligence to help us solve these these problems and uh, and then just seeing like the big step forward we've already taken in the the, the massive reductions in the cost of, of renewable energy and that's continuing and the fact that really it feels like we're very close to a tipping point on electric vehicles and how quickly that's kind of happened so so yes it's it's uh i'd say best the best of worlds and the best of times and the worst of times um sort of simultaneously or at least one day on one day off yeah i feel like that uh, that reflects how a lot of us are feeling and, and i'll make sure to uh to add the the book on our on our notes along with uh, other research that you guys are, are carrying out so i think that's a great way to to wrap it up well Stephen, uh i can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk us through all this uh, i think we could have done a couple hours here uh just uh, on on the amount of issues and initiatives that you guys have were uh going on but uh yeah this has been fascinating thanks for joining us uh steven and i hope we can have you on again to give us an update on where we are and and how you're feeling hopefully best of worlds at that point <laughs> yeah thanks very much for, for inviting me on it's been great to talk to you and yeah happy to come back and 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 give an update on progress great and to you listener as well as always thanks for joining us uh we hope you enjoyed the discussion as always hit the subscribe button if you haven't already and we'll be back next week with more discussions on all the great things going on in our telecom world. Until then, thanks again for listening and take care. Bye-bye.